and welcome to this month's podcast. I'm Laura Horton. And I'm Michael Bentley. Hello and welcome to you. Hello, everybody. Um, we would just like to take this opportunity to say a huge thank you to everyone who's listening to the podcast. We always say thank you to people that have sent questions and we really do appreciate questions. Um, but when we last looked, we have had over 2000 downloads of our podcast over the last few months. So we just wanted to say a huge thank you to everybody who's listening to our podcast because we we really enjoyed, didn't we, Michael, finding out that number. We were very, very pleased about that. We were absolutely, you know, delighted. And thank you so much for the enthusiastic response that we've had to the podcast. It's just incredible, isn't it? And it makes us want to do more. So we are doing more, aren't we? <laughs> yes, we are doing more. So this is your opportunity to go to our um, website, go to the podcast page and check out our guests that we've got coming up and um, send some questions through to our guests because they will be able to help you immensely. You know, we've selected these people to be able to help you and give you loads of top tips that they have. So do take that opportunity to look at your guests, at our guests, not your guests. Now, this month's questions then, again, a great mix as always. And I know it's only October, but this word has come up already and it is the Christmas word. So we have a question from a practice owner about Christmas bonuses and parties. So we'll answer that. Uh, we have a question which carries on from a tip we gave in the last hangout about the team tracking new patient inquiries via spreadsheets um, and how the team do not like spreadsheets. So we'll answer that question and re obviously read it out and answer it in more detail. We have a question about a dentist who is retiring and how best to handle this. And we have a question, a recruitment question. A practice is advertising for a dental receptionist and they haven't got any response. So we'll provide hopefully lots of tips and recruitment to make sure you can get the very best out of your adverts that you're putting through. So let's talk about Christmas. <laughs> Yay, well, it, yeah, first and foremost, you know, it's it's time to get organised, isn't it? So uh, oh, I'm a bit of a bar humbug, just to let you know. I'm one of these people, listeners, that um doesn't I do not allow Christmas music to be played until the first of December. Once it's the first of December, I am up for Christmas music twenty four seven. Um but prior to that, I feel it's a little bit early. Whereas, Mike, you're a bit more enthusiastic than me, aren't you, when it comes to Christmas? Yeah, music? I think I am more enthusiastic, but also I try to be a bit more organised as well. It doesn't always happen. But, uh, yeah, I like to be organised. And I think it's also good that if you're feeling great and you are organised, then it is a bit more enjoyable because I think Christmas is something that, can feel overwhelming but not only personally but also in the practice as well because this is gearing up isn't there towards you know finishing you know lots of treatment <laughs> too far into December and then you've got you know all the build-up to that we've got RCT months going on you know I always think October and November are a massive RCT increase that seems to be a surprise to practices but isn't a surprise to, to me or to Laura who's, who's worked in practice for many years and then you've got this expectation where the team wants to gear up to, you know, celebrating uh, with everybody. Yeah. And there's also this expectation as well that there is some sort of bonus or present or something to mark the fact that it's Christmas. And also another problem that happens in practices is the holidays over Christmas as well. Who's having yeah. them? 
who's not having them. Um, it's not fair for me. It's not fair for this person. We don't want to work at all. So what are the practice, you know, arrangements? So there's a lot in Christmas to sort out. And of course, it falls <laughs> as well. And this year, I think particularly falls where actually, you know, it, it's a little bit all over the show, isn't it? Because Christmas is on a Tuesday, I think. Um, yeah, Christmas is so, a Monday. You know, yeah, so it means that Christmas Eve is a Monday, and New Year's Eve is a Monday. So, and we've just had the weekend, and you know, you're going to have to service emergency. So, there's lots going on. I think to answer the question, I think for me, don't be forced into giving a bonus to the team at Christmas, is number one. What it needs to be is it needs to be part of your expenses and part of something that's planned and that you've put away for and if Christmas is a great time to be rewarding your team and that's what you want to do then that's fine but to just come up with the money out of nowhere uh, is not a good plan so you actually need to think about you know in expenses you know where how much you are going to save per month you know for a Christmas bonus and then what are you giving the Christmas bonus for for the fact that people have been here for the entire year and then you've got the fact that some people have joined midway um so if you join a practice in october do you get the same bonus as everybody else does in december um if all the rest of the team have you know serviced the whole year so it does get really really uh yeah. messy um and yeah. team teams as well gets really really messy yeah. for me i like bonuses to be for either a fantastic appraisal system so it's very clear that somebody's performed to a great level and that would be an appraisal system that you do a couple of times a year to quantify that person has worked really hard in your business and that would trigger a bonus which you could give in december if you wanted to that's absolutely fine no issues with that other bonuses i think are great at christmas are you know reflecting on what the whole practice you know can work on together and that might be membership numbers diary zoning is becoming a big area that practices are you know making sure that bonuses are around because actually that's the desk and the nursing team coming together to hold the diary and i think that works particularly well because it stops you know the nurses saying to the front desk team don't book anybody else in we need a break or you know I want an hour to do whatever it may be and the reception yeah. feeling like can't book the diary um so it stops that and then it also uh, allows the nurses to also be saying to the front desk we need to fill that opportunity and I've got the best patient for, the, for that opportunity can you give them a ring so the nurses and the, the reception team can really start to work together and of course the rest of the providers can work together on creating the right priority list for that so that's really good so I think Smart diary zoning should definitely be looked at as a as a, a bonus. And again, you can bonus it at Christmas time. You know, you're going to get your bonus at Christmas for that um, uh, example that I've given you. Or you do it on occupancy levels. That's another great area to implement. Or one that you like, Laura, and I, I do agree with you as well, is actually managing the expenses. So managing the stock expenses and managing the consumable expenses um, so that it's very clear that everybody's again working together. Repairs and maintenance would be another area on the expenses sheet that I, you could work with teams on um, because things that break down and things like that obviously affect the practice. And if you could, let's say your repairs and maintenance bill for last year was £1,500. If you halve that, then hello, there's your bonus for the rest of the team, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think, yeah, and is you know, what Michael's saying is completely spot on here. 
don't just give out a bonus for the sake of giving out a bonus. If you haven't planned for it, if you feel under pressure, um, this person has recently taken over this practice and understands that, um, you know, it's part and parcel of what's been going on. And I'm sure we've had a similar question to this or I've done a blog about it in the past. And they've also said here about the Christmas party as well. And <clears throat> again, for parties, you've got to have budgets. And one thing that comes into Christmas parties that I think as owners and managers, what you've got to make really clear is what are you paying for at this party? Are you paying for transport there and back? Are you paying for the meal, which includes half a bottle of wine per person? Are you paying for further drinks? What are you paying for? Because if your team are turning up expecting for an all expenses paid evening and that's not the case, you're going to have some unhappy people. So I think that is really important to clarify what you are paying for. And I remember when I worked in the practice um, and that's what they did. They said, we, we for the Christmas party, we are paying for the meal and within that meal you you get the equivalent of half a bottle of wine each and it will all be out on the table any other drinks do need to be paid for by yourself and you Absolutely. need to communicate that quite early don't you you need to let the team know this now <laughs> so Absolutely. whoever's organizing the party needs a budget to work in don't just let them go off and go crazy and book something that actually you can't afford that's just going to be a big problem for you have a budget, have a plan, make it really clear what you're doing, really. Absolutely. And what my practice did, Laura, which I thought was really clever, is that we did have that budget and the nurses spent the budget on whatever uh, we did. We actually had a £3,000 budget to spend on occasions going out and the Christmas meal came into one of uh, those and it was planned for. And obviously every meal was paid for, as you've just said, but everybody got an allocation of cash to take with them for drinks oh, so therefore nice. if you're a non-drinker which many of my team were actually um which is surprising i know but there <laughs> are non-drinkers now and therefore you don't want a grievance either for the fact that maybe some colleagues have got absolutely plastered have had if you like the equivalent of 150 pounds you know spent on them for additional drinks and cocktails and pictures and this that and the other and actually a group of people that have had maybe two cokes yeah, yeah. suddenly you've got a massive variance there so if yeah. you give everybody the same if you know you have 30 pounds and i have 30 pounds laura it's up to me what i spend it on so i yeah. might come home with 20 pounds because i've only had two cokes that's my right to do so but and i'd if, come home with nothing <laughs> with nothing yeah it was me that sort of, but also what my nurses did which i thought was great is that they would collect their budgets together so if four of them were drinking they would buy pictures together you know yeah. and that's fine then isn't it but yeah. it's all fair and it's consistent and also what i also get is what happens when you can't go to the meal you mm. know um or when people back out at the last minute and that's really that's annoying isn't it thing. That's tough as well. So what I would say with the events is, is that we always made it clear that, you know, um, events were part of teamwork and we design a program that you can all come and do uh, together, including the Christmas dinner. And, um, you know, all people hopefully would attend at least two out of three events. And if you didn't attend the third event or all three, then it was one of the sacrifices you make because it was actually a bonus 
not an expected thing. Again, so people decide not to come for whatever reason, that you're not left with the fact that, well, actually, I want the £75 that they've had spent on them. That's not how it works. Yeah. Yeah, no, very good. Well, I hope that helps um, everybody at this lovely autonomous time of year where everyone's preparing for Christmas and getting excited. Um, you know what Pat, we're doing a lot of, which I think are great, and we've got to add it in because it's September uh, podcast, is the fact that Halloween parties, I know loads yeah. of are dumping Christmas parties and going to Halloween bashes instead and having an absolutely fantastic time before obviously everybody's really busy in December so if you wanted a new idea to do um Halloween parties becoming absolutely massive um and I've been to a couple of Halloween parties and do you know what they're tremendous fun um so that might be uh, something different as well especially if you've got a practice that maybe don't all celebrate Christmas in the same way I think mm. Halloween's a great occasion to uh, oh, it is a great yes, opportunity thanks. to get dressed up have fun in a different way yeah. and i think yeah it, it's a bit late for this year you've only got a couple of weeks to organize it so um but you know it'll organize it for next year maybe i mean it's a wonderful idea isn't it really good really good fun um the only halloween parties i'll be going to for, in the near future will be for children but if there's an adult one happening in dentistry let me know i'll be well, there wait to see you dressed up as a witch laura that's all i can say the next question is a really quick one to answer so this follows on from last month's um podcast so we discussed what's the best way for the team front desk team to be tracking new patient inquiries and it was uh, right at the end and michael had less than 60 seconds to answer it and the advice that was given was to do a spreadsheet so someone's come back to us and said I get it, but my team hates spreadsheets. They're not going to have a spreadsheet open and fill it in. Are there any other solutions? So what I would say to you then is you just need to have um, pieces of paper that are on the desk that, are, you know, you can even have them laminated if you want to. But basically, it's a tally chart, new patient that called and then another tally for if they booked. So at the end of the month, you can quite clearly see 15 called, but only seven booked It's really there very quick for people to do they've just got to mark it with a pen so that's my quick answer to you there tally charts you've just with any new patient tracking i think the thing i'll add here is you've got to make sure it is accurate information that you're looking at because as you could be making decisions based on you know the wrong information so you do need to have a, a system documented and i know it might sound mad because it's only a tally chart but train the team on how you want them to do this because then you're more likely to get accurate information. Right, okay. we're going to move on now. Oh, go on, sorry, Michael. If practice is already doing new patient telephone sheets, which they should be for, um, you know, interviewing the patient, you know, correctly, which we're not going to go into the content of that, but if you're doing those, and you've got a treatment coordinator or there is a manager, then simply can give all the new patient call sheets to the manager to collate all of that information on then all you've got to do is tally the ones that didn't convert but you should have started a call sheet for every patient whether they converted or not and on the button you can put not converted to comprehensive assessment or converted to comprehensive assessment so they will need to obviously that information does need to go to the dentist but it will help you to tally that information as well for a quick tip yeah we're full of them today right the next one um i'm a retiring dentist there is a new uh, dentist purchasing the practice 
what's the best way to handle this within a team? Now, just have a very quick story before we answer this, Michael. <laughs> so a practice that I used to work at many, many years ago. Um, basically, my mum joined that practice as a private patient and her dentist she's been seeing ever since. Now, I was walking through our village the other day and saw a lady that I used to work with who is um, friends with one of these dentists that were partners. They sold out. But long story short, she said to me, oh, do you know that name has retired now? And I said, no, I didn't. And I don't think my mum knows either. And she said, oh, right. So I went round to my mum and I said, mum, did you know that dentist's name has retired well you should have seen the look on her face because she did not know and she's been going to see this dentist every three months for probably at least 15 years and he hadn't told her that he was going to retire and she took it really badly because it's actually a very emotional thing here and yes my mum my mum happened to have an appointment the following week booked so she was fuming so she rang up and the team have said, oh, yes, he has retired, but you're booked in with this lady and she's ever so nice. I mean, they're always going to say that, aren't they? She's ever so nice. Um, mm. Come and try her out. So my mum's back is up. You know, this lady, well, you know, she better be like dentist name. Now, it's turned out quite positive. My mum's had a good experience with her. However, how many other patients of this dentist were emotionally hurt by the fact that, that there was no communication to retirement. And it's not that they're being left in the lurch and that there's a replacement. It's also the opportunity to thank that dentist for their care over all these years, isn't it? And that's what my mum said. Oh, I would have loved to have sent him a card to say thank you for looking after me for all these years and what a great dentist you've been and enjoy your retirement. So there's so many different angles to retirements and dentists leaving, isn't there? But that's, you know, happened so recently that's happened in the last few months and I think that's been handled really badly actually because this mm -hmm. dentist has had these patients for decades decades and decades he started working there in his late 20s and was a partner and he's now retired um, he must be 60 so that's a lot of patients isn't it where it's just been oh he's gone now bye <laughs> it's really awful so the other thing that came out of it was when the team were saying to my mum, oh, this new dentist, she's ever so nice. Oh, she's very nice. And that's all they could say. So what's really important here is that when you have a change of dentist, whether it's retirement or not, we have to know as management and as a team, what are the unique selling points of this new dentist coming in. I had an experience recently where the team had been asked on the phone how old the new dentist was, which I think is ever so rude uh, to be asking that as a question. Well, how old are they? I mean, it's just not politically correct, is it? Um, but you need to have a list of unique selling points for the new dentist coming in. So we're not saying, oh, they're really nice, they're really caring, they're really friendly. The team yeah. can say, your new dentist is amazing. They have invested so heavily in their postgraduate education. They're really passionate about doing wonderful white fillings. They're really uh, passionate about health and their patients having really good gum care. You know, what, whatever their unique selling points are, get them down on a piece of paper. 
Yeah, I think that's so important. And I think also, you know, uh, I made some advice to a practice that had taken on two guy dentists that are quite young recently, and they are a practice full of women and have been for many, many years. So not only the patients getting used to two male dentists after not you know and not having male dentists in the practice they've also got the fact that they're young um as well and one of the things that you know they are talking to their patients about on my advice was the fact that the business owners hand selected these two dentists to join the practice team because they have the right ethos the right training and they have the ability to be in that practice so they haven't just been plucked out of the sky you know they've been through a rigorous recruitment process to make sure that they are the right people for the practice and they've been hand selected by the business owner and that piece of communication has gone down particularly well and then I go back to something that we've said in cause before which I think is really important is that you must have guarantees on treatment so it doesn't matter what person is seeing patients whether it is a dental therapist or a dentist um, that you can actually say you know we all of our treatments come with a two year, three year, five year, seven, seven year guarantee. And, you know, then it's quantified. And then patients can start to relax a little bit to go, well, I'm having this filling done and it's going to be guaranteed for three years, whether it's this dentist that does it, that dentist that does it, or this therapist that does it, because there's a confidence within the practice that it's going to be successful anyway. And I think if you can marry everything that we've both said, um, then that's going to be a much more positive experience for the practice and the patient. Absolutely. And when it comes to retirement, I the fact is you're going to lose patients anyway so you will have patients to say well I'm moving on now you know the journey to, to this practice is too much we move far away we're just staying out of loyalty you'll have people that just get the ump and go um so you are going to lose patients anyway and I think you just need to get over that and I would have it as a very positive thing in the practice that you are retiring I would look at having some PR created around your retirement about the new owner. And as Michael said, how you've selected them. Yeah. What you have in common, what you're excited about for the practice and the patients going forward and have <coughs> some wonderful PR going about because it will be a much nicer experience for all involved. If your patients that really love you get the opportunity to say, well, I wish you lots of luck with your retirement. And thank you so much for taking care of me, whether it's verbally, whether it's in an email, whether it's by letter or card. Give those patients that opportunity. You know, let's make this retirement something really special, not, uh, oh, my gosh, I'm just going to see my last patient and leg it out the door and hope no one notices. That's so, great advice. Yeah, I think PR, you know, is not to be underestimated in this situation. Uh, you know, it can go into the local press, can't it? You know, dentists that have served the area for 30 years are retiring. And it, it can be just so lovely. It really can. So I'd make it a very positive rather than negative. Sometimes patients retire from a practice, don't they? I know that yeah. this is quite a significant thing, you know, for a practice as well. And again, what I hear from patients and, and practices is that they get no response either. So somebody that's belonged to a practice for 25, 30 years, you know, leaves the practice because they are moving area, maybe they're retiring into a different place or moving closer to family. And again, there's no acknowledgement. And there needs to be, and exactly the way that you said, you know, a nice card, handwritten card, you know, thank you for being an amazing patient for the last 25 years, it's been lovely yeah. treating yourself and your family members, and we wish you all the well with your retirement to Cornwall or moving to the family, whatever it may be. So actually, I think this is a two-way thing for 
people that are retiring, but also patients that are moving on and take the time to communicate that. And it's the front desk that needs to be on it really, and not just go, oh, that's nice, and we'll cancel the appointments and buy. Um, because we need <laughs> to make sure that the dentists are aware that long-standing patients are leaving the practice and that we need to say goodbye in the right way because again you know it's still part of great PR as you've said and that's so important for practices isn't it especially in this you know digital modern age where people are communicating how they've been treated absolutely yeah absolutely right the last question then um, we're advertising for a dental receptionist we have had no response whatsoever can you provide any tips what are we doing wrong Oh, bless you. OK, so, yeah, we'll go through some tips with you. I think first thing really, though, is to look at where you are advertising. I'm finding a lot of practices are just putting something on their Facebook wall and just leaving it there, which is just not going to work for you. And we'll talk about what you can do in a moment. The major thing that you've got to get right with any recruitment really is the job title. And you have to remember to the outside world, the dental receptionist is often seen as a similar person to the doctor's receptionist and we know it's a whole world of difference and we are polite and lovely but you've got to think of the public's perception so you really do need first things first change the title you're not looking for a receptionist you are looking for a front desk professional someone who works the front desk or you could look at front house front of house um, customer service there's so many different angles that you need to go about to excite the person looking for the job because if you are a practice that has an amazing customer service experience I can tell you now that you don't want anyone who wants a dental receptionist job applying you want someone who's got a strong customer service background whether that's in airlines or um, someone I met recently actually um, used to work in a care home um, she she was absolutely amazing. She also used to work for an airline as well, coincidentally. But, you know, the type of people that you're trying to attract, who are they? What do they look like? You need to take a step back. And then you do need to have a budget for this advert. What are you going to invest? You know, if you're not using agencies or newspapers, I think are a bit ugh. But, you know, what's, what's your budget? You've got to create a budget. You really, really have. Um, I think that's really important. And I'll hand over to you, Mike, now to talk about what we can put into the advert. Yeah, so first and foremost, we need to make the first two lines, three lines of the advert, really exciting. So you need to say, you know, there's a fantastic opportunity to join an expanding practice team or to join our very experienced team. You know, you're looking for someone who loves communicating with all different types of people in a professional and caring private dental setting. You know, really set a picture. Then you need to be looking at, you know, the USPs of the practice. So actually you need to talk about the people that are there. So if you've got, you know, award-winning dentists, then put it in the advert, you know, we want you to belong to a practice with award-winning dentists and discuss that they are highly trained, that they are, you know, they do offer a range of quality care, they do care for a lot of nervous patients and they are dealing with clinical cases, cosmetic braces, smile makers, whatever it may be. You want to talk about, you know, the job is for me about building relationships with people on a daily basis. So if you're looking for a front desk professional, that's what you're looking for, isn't it? Somebody to yeah. build 
professional relationships, you know, build, the, you know, they're real brand ambassadors for you. So that's the sort of, you know, words that you need. You've got to think it's got to strike a chord with people. Then, of course, what you want to do then is go to your job description and not do war and peace, but put a few <laughs> key skills you expect somebody to do. And that might be answer the telephone and deal with patient inquiries in a positive, efficient and friendly manner. I'd expect that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, perform high quality reception and administration service to ensure patient satisfa satisfaction and maximum contribution to practice efficiency. So you just need to pick out a few from your current job descriptions that you think are, you know, going to strike a chord with people and go, oh, yes, that looks like something I can do. I like the vision that the practice do. I like what they sound like. Remember, people are going to go on to website, hopefully, and have a look anyway. Then you've got some core skills. Then if you are brave enough, we would advocate that you put a sa salary on the job. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? Um, but some people do put the salaries dependent on experience. I understand that. But of course, if you've not looked at the salary levels within the practice, remember, you might want to bring in somebody different from a customer service background. And then you might need to think, well, what do we currently pay our team members now? And if that's not enough, you might have an exercise to do on salaries because what you want to recruit and what you actually need to pay somebody might be entirely different. Then you need to talk about the hours that the job is um, for because remember people are looking for work-life balance and actually it might they might look at your hours and go oh well, that really appeals to me because at the moment I'm working all day Saturday all day Sunday and I don't want to any longer and that's why you know I would like to apply because it's Monday to Friday might have a couple of late nights and early mornings but it's not working Saturdays and Sundays every week. Then the most important thing is is that you need to put in for more information about the practice it's available on the website I would definitely put that in the you know the uh, advert and then obviously you want people to provide you with a CV and then you need to say what the next stage is going to be so after the CV there is going to be an application form that will be sent out to candidates that meet if you like expectations on the, at the CV stage yeah. We know that a lot of practices are using Indeed and um, I did a, an advert for a practice recently and it's had 120 responses and this isn't in London, this is on a, this is a coastal location and you know it's because I think the advert you know really feels positive and people wanted to apply and then what they did is then they've then done an application form which has gone into more uh, in-depth questions and interestingly people have either got to respond in hand or obviously fill out an application form that they send via email that is going to cut down the number of people then from your first stage to a second stage and that'll be people that are really interested in your position and then from the applications you can start to sift through what you'd like to have for an advert but that's full of you know top tips so Laura where do you think people should be advertising at the moment yeah, I absolutely love Indeed. I think it's a fantastic place. You can also do targeted Facebook advertising without a doubt. You can do that, but you've got to get it right. Um, and you can use agencies depending upon your practice. If you've got good agencies, use them. If you're not very good at this, use them. Um, obviously, you've got to pay them, but use them. And the last thing I just want to add is, and it's just picking up on what you said there, Michael. The advert needs to sound positive and exciting. When you're trying to recruit someone, what frame of mind are you in? You're usually in a panic. You're usually feeling negative. Oh, gosh, this is horrendous. Oh. So just make sure that you are positive, 
and when you're doing this picture the person you want to recruit and make sure you're writing it to suit that person that you envisage coming into your practice to take that job we are going to have to leave it there for today we're out of time and um Thank you very much once again for your questions. We've had a question that we have had to put on to next month. Really sorry about that. But just to let you know, we will be talking about PDPs next month. So if you have any further questions about those, send them in because we'll be talking about them. That's our first question. We promise you to the person who sent that free. Um, thank you ever so much. Wishing, wishing you all a wonderful October, a fabulous Halloween. Let us know if you're having parties. That would be great. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> And um, we'll be with you next month, November. Thank yes, you very much. Forget, we had the first tooth monster on Doctor Who yesterday, so we'll put a picture of that up on our wall as well. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. It's got teeth all in its skin. It's amazing. Anyway, we'll put it on. We'll so put it up on Facebook. Yeah. Lovely. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe so you can be notified of our next episode.